0: Father, it is a joy to be with your people this New Year's Day. As we recount all of the the blessings and all of the things you delivered us from in 2022, God, I pray that though we do not know what is awaiting for us in 2023, oh, Father, I ask that we would simply recount and remember all of your mercies. God, that we would remember the ways that when we wondered how we would get through another day, that God, you seemed to carry us. And so, Father, now, as we get into your word, as we read a very convicting text, oh, Father, I pray that you would meet us this morning. Holy Spirit, whatever it is that you want to do with our hearts this morning, I pray that you would be with us. Father, to read your word, to know your word, to to study your word, it is such a pleasure. And so, Father, I ask that you would be with us now. I ask, Lord, that you would help me to simply rely on you. Oh, Father, be with us now as we dive greatly into your word. We ask all of this in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Well, it is New Year's Day, and we know what that means. This is the time when some of you are putting together those things we call New Year's resolutions. And yet... If the research is correct, for those of us who say we're going to be committed this year, perhaps in the very first two weeks of this month, we will have given up on them. But perhaps you're saying 2023 is different. I'm going to stick with it this year, and perhaps you're still thinking as it is New Year's Day, you're trying to think of what will be the New Year's resolutions that I will do. So I wanted to just list off a couple of popular New Year's resolutions, some basic ones for you. Some people this year in 2023 are going to do their best to drink more water. I know that I could use some of that. Um, Some are going to volunteer more often. Others, as we are going to see in the month of January, are going to return to the gym. We will see if they are still there in June. (laughs) Others want to adopt an attitude of gratitude. I think in 2023, we could all use a little bit more gratitude. Others want to spend more time with family and friends. I thought this last one was interesting. This would be a challenge for me to take a 24-hour break from social media every month. I think our students would say that's that's torture, that's hard. <laughs> and yet, you know what's interesting is that in all of the lists that I looked at, in all of the articles that I saw, nobody in 2023 is talking about wanting to control the tongue. There were no ten ways that I can be more encouraging with my tongue. There were no five ways that I can better talk to my enemies and not blast them in social media. And you know, I think it's interesting that as we have seen, I think our culture has underestimated the power and the weightiness of what our tongues actually possess in them. And so it is, dear brothers and sisters, as James tells us now, I want to sum up for you what James wants to prove to us this morning. We can sum up all of our message by this simple sentence. We must learn to control our powerful tongues. That's what James wants to tell us. You and I, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we must learn to control our powerful tongues. We're going to see James is going to show us this in three simple points. So if you're taking notes this morning, here are the three points. The first is that guidance matters in verses 1 through 5a. Guidance matters. The second point we'll see is the destructive tongue in verses 5b through 9. The destructive tongue. And the third point will be the revealing tongue in verses 10 through 12. The revealing tongue in verses 10 through 12. So again, if it's been a while since you've been in the book of James, perhaps it's been a while since you've been there, I want to quickly sum up for you the entire message of what James wants to communicate to his listeners as he writes this letter. We can sum up the entire book of James in James 1.22 when he says this, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. So what does James want to communicate? He wants God's people to not just simply hear what God says, but to actually live out and that God's word would actually be worked out into the lives of God's people. I want you to think about about the whole book of James like this. I want to use this example. Imagine with me, I don't know what you're going to do in 2023, but I can imagine that for those of you, especially families, there's going to be a day and time where you're probably going to have over some guests. And you, like every family, are going to do your best to do what? You're going to divide and conquer and do what? Make the house look presentable, right? So someone's going to get the baseboards, if you're, if you're really nice. Some people are going to get the kitchen. Someone's going to get the family room. Someone's going to get the bathroom. And if you have younger children, let's say your son... Uh, who's six years old let's say his name is Elisha you're going to go up to your six-year-old son you're going to say Elisha I want you to go clean your room we're going to take care of the house all I want you to do I want you to clean your room and so 30 minutes passes and you guys are starting to make your house look presentable as if actually people live there and as 30 minutes passes you go to your son Elisha and you say Elisha how's the room coming buddy he says, Dad, I didn't start cleaning it, but I can tell you for the last 30 minutes, I've been memorizing what you've been saying. Go clean your room. And Dad, I got it down pat. Go clean your room. Dad, I can, in fact, Dad, I can say it in Greek. I know what you said about go clean your room. And you, as the father, you'd be frustrated. Because you say, no, we're, like, we we have to get the house ready. Your mother is, is going to lose it. We have to get this house ready. People are coming. And so let's say after that, let's say an hour passes by, and you go in and you knock and you say, buddy, how's your room looking? And he says, dad, we haven't cleaned it yet, but for the last hour, we invited over our Sunday school, and we did a study about what it would actually look like to clean our rooms. And Johnny opened up. and Dad, it was amazing. We talked about folding patterns, where we would put the cars. And we talked about how to actually like clean up a spill, how to dab. Dad, it was amazing. You should have been here. And you know what's interesting is that as silly as that example is, this is exactly what James is trying to help God's people not become. Because how many of us know how easy it is to read this book? How easy it is to memorize, right? To memorize what does God say. How many of us know how easy it is to go to small group and say, We've, we have really studied this week about what God said. But yet, if you are like me, how many of us know it's easy to know what God says. It's easy, easy to memorize what God has said. But it's a whole other thing to do what God said. And so now James, in chapter 3, what James wants to specifically do is he wants to narrow in now on our words. How do you and I use our tongues? And so it is now that we understand what James's thrust is that we will dive into our first point, which is guidance matters. If we look at verse 1, we see what James tells us. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We see that why in a section talking about the power and wakefulness of the tongue, why does James first start with teachers? Well, because, brothers and sisters, whose words are more important than what the pastor says? Why is it that Tommy and Eric and Lucas and Josh spend hours and hours thinking and reading and commentary after commentary after commentary? It is because we know that on the last day, one of the questions that God is going to ask each and every one of us who have that title teacher is, what did you do with my word? How did you lead my people? Did you actually preach the whole counsel of, of the word or did you shrink back? And so James starts off this section talking about the power and the weightfulness of the tongue and he says, teachers, you ought to be careful with the words that you say because of what their words lead to. And yet let us not think, brothers and sisters, that it is only teachers Who will be judged for what they say because Jesus has a word for us too. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 36, he says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. So Jesus will not only talk to the pastors, but he will ask you and I, this little thing called your tongue, how did you use it? How did you talk to your children? How did you talk to your boss? Jesus is telling us that there is going to be a day where he's just going to simply ask us, How did we use our words? And it is perhaps at this moment where we understand that at the final judgment, Jesus is going to want to know what we did with our words, where James has a word for us, because he says in verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble on what he says, he's a perfect man. Do you hear what James tells us? All of us, likewise, struggle with controlling our tongues, don't we? We all know that whether you are five years old or you're 73, how hard it is to control that little muscle called your tongue. I think we can all agree we've all been in situations where we have been talking to someone and as the words were coming out of your mouth, you wish you could just pause and say, don't say that, why did I say that? We've all been in those situations where as the words flew out, you just said, why did I say that? I don't know. And and you're just sitting there awkward. And so James tells us that it is so hard to control that nobody knows how to perfectly tame their tongue. And yet, do you see what James also says about the tongue in verse 2? He not only says that we stumble in many ways, but he says that if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle also the entire body. I don't know if you've thought about this, but our tongue is the guide of our lives. What James tells us is that if you and I could control our tongues, there would be no sin area in our heart that would be out of control. So he says, if we could control this thing that flaps every single day, that says thousands and thousands of words. If we could control the tongue, there would be no area of our spiritual life that would be out of control And so what does James do? He wants now in verses 3 through 5, he wants to show us, give us more examples of something that is so small that has such a major impact. Look at what he says. He says, starting in verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Church, isn't it so interesting that something like a horse and a ship, which are so massive, is controlled by something so small? If you've ever been to the Derby, you've ever seen somebody ride this thing of a horse, what controls this horse? It's the little bit in their mouth. Or if you've ever had the opportunity to go on a cruise liner while you are sunbathing, getting tan eating all the food that you can all, and going on all the excursions that you, that you must, all of this is able to happen. Why? Because of a small little rudder. James is showing us that guidance matters. Guidance matters with a horse because if a horse can't be controlled, it's going to go crazy. If, if, if a ship can't direct its course, we would know nothing of Carnival Cruise. We would know nothing of a Disney Cruise. All because guidance matters. And yet, unlike the horse that can be guided, and unlike the ship that is guided by the rudder, notice that when James talks about the tongue in verse 5, what does he say? Look with me. He says, so also the tongue is a small member. This would be the point where I I think James would say something like, and the tongue can be controlled, but James doesn't say that, does he? See, See, when James says, so also the tongue is a small member, he says, the tongue... Well, the tongue, he doesn't give any mention of it being able to be guided. In fact, he says the tongue boasts of great things. And we all know how much the tongue likes to boast, don't we? Why is it that on every man's fishing retreat, when he comes back and tells the boys how big the fish was, why is it actually probably half the size that he said it was? It's because the tongue loves to boast. Why is it in the very famous musical, Annie, Get Your Gun? Is there a song titled, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better? It's because even in musical form, the tongue loves to boast about how great it is. Why do elementary boys, as you parents know, love to compete with one another in little competitions? With who can jump higher, who can swim faster, who can hold their breath longer, who can chew the most double bubble? Is it because you know, as a seven-year-old boy, you must have bragging rights? And so James has told us something very, very important. He has shown us that guidance matters with a horse. He's shown us that guidance matters um, with a ship, and yet he has told us, he's given us no indication that the tongue is able to be guided or controlled. And it is in our next section where we are going to see The devastating effects of what our destructive tongues can do when they have no guidance. And so look as James continues in verses 5b through 6. Look at how he continues this analogy of something small having such a major impact. Look with me as he says, how great a force is set ablaze by what? Such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body and setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. We all know if you've had the opportunity to live in California or or you've seen the news that every single news reporter, when they talk about the wildfires in California, how do they always start their newscast? It was just a small little spark. And then the whole forest is ablaze. We know that it takes just a little, little fire. And yet thousands are put out of their homes. So much, millions of dollars of destruction is done. And when James talks about the tongue, look at what James says. James says in verse 6 that our tongues set on fire our entire course of life. He says that our tongues are set on fire by hell itself. I wonder if, if we understand the weightiness of what James is trying to communicate. And James tells us this, brothers and sisters, not to condemn us. James is not often as rocker. James is not having a bad day. James is trying to communicate to you and I the destructiveness of what the tongue can do. He tells us, and he's warning us so that you and I may do what? That we may learn how to control this thing in our mouths that we call the tongue. And so what does James do in our section? He tries to communicate from analogy to analogy to analogy of what? Of the destructiveness of the tongue. Look at what he says in verse 7. He continues and he says, For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind but no human being can tame the tongue. I want you to think about this for a second. As this, my, my, my statistics, there we go, get the word, may be off a little bit, but as I checked last, we have over 7.8 billion people on this earth right now. And what James is telling us is that we have 7.8 billion people walking around with the most dangerous weapon known to mankind. It's not a gun, it's not a missile, It is an unguided tongue that wreaks havoc wherever it goes. Why is it that for those of us who can remember the two magicians, Siegfried and Roy, the two German-Americans, why is it that they could entertain thousands in Las Vegas with their white lions and tigers? It's because you can tame a lion. Why is it that when I leave my house, I let my German shepherd walk around and let him go wherever he wants to go? It's because he can be tamed. Why is it that people get as as pets cats and dogs and lizards and turtles and even some foxes? It's because you can tame all of those. And yet the very thing that James tells us is that we can tame a lion. We can tame a German shepherd. We can even tame a snapping turtle. But this thing in between our mouths that we call the tongue... James tells us that no human being has the capacity in themselves to control the tongue. And yet perhaps you are not convinced. Perhaps as you're thinking about your tongue, perhaps as you're thinking about the way that you use it, perhaps you're thinking, Matt, my tongue is not that bad. I think I have a pretty good grasp on it. James wants to show us the hypocrisy that will flow if you and I do not heed his warning. Look at what he says in verses 8 through 9. He continues specifically in 9. He says, with, with this tongue, he says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And so what is James saying? James is saying that if you and I are not careful, if we do not heed his words, brothers and sisters, we will come to church week in and week out, read our Bibles, talk about the majesties and the glories of God. We will espouse to God the true things of his name. We will be led in worship week after week after week, and we will sing how good our God is. And yet with that very same tongue, We will leave those doors, go out into our workplaces, and we will curse and demean people made in the image of God. When God's word speaks of the image of God, this is an intimate thing, is it not? When we go all the way back to Genesis, what do we see God doing? God is creating. He's creating the shrubs. He's creating the sky. He's creating the sea. Everything that is in creation, we see God creates. But it is only mankind that we see that God makes in his image. That in in our conception, when we were formed in our mother's womb, the Bible says, brothers and sisters, that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. That our value, it doesn't matter about our attractiveness, it doesn't matter about our ethnicity, our value that we get from God is given to us by our creator, David remarks on this in Psalm 8 when he says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? Notice that when David recounts, he says, God, I see all of the things you have made, the earth and the sky and the seas and the moon and the stars. And David recounts and he praises God for all that he has made. And yet the thing that makes David ponder the thing that makes David question, and it, it's not the Everglades, it's not a Tesla, it, it's not the great Rocky Mountains, but it is mankind made in the image of God. Where David says, what is man that you are mindful of him? How amazing has it been in 2022 as our church has grown and as we have seen baby upon baby upon baby, it's amazing to see as the service gets out, what do you see? But everyone rush in to see the babies, right? And as you look at these bundles of joy, Webster does not have enough words to describe the preciousness and the majesty of this little thing we call a human being. And yet James says, brothers and sisters, that if you and I are not careful, The very pinnacle of God's creation, the very thing that he formed and fashioned with his own hands, you and I will curse. Why is it that gossip is so acidic? Why is it that talking behind someone's back is so hurtful? We're not talking about the moon and the stars. We're not gossiping about the floors. We're gossiping about people made in the likeness and image of God. Why is it when we use our words to hurt our enemies or to get even with our spouse or to speak rudely with our children? Why is this so destructive? Why is this such a big deal? It's because we curse and demean people made in the image and likeness of God. And so, brothers and sisters, it is because of the sheer destruction and pain that our words have the ability to cause, perhaps, we ought to listen to the world's most thorough rabbit thumper when he tells us, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Tim Keller, on his sermon, on this very same passage, he rewrote that very famous nursery rhyme, which I know all of us are familiar with, sticks and stones may break my bones but words can never hurt me we've heard that before right and i love how tim keller rewrites it and he says sticks and stones can only break my bones but words can destroy my soul you may not remember what you had for dinner last week you may not remember the movie that you went and saw in 2022 you may not remember that thing that you got into an argument with with somebody last year. But if we all took a second, we all know and can think it wouldn't even take a second of when somebody used their words to hurt and wound us. Some of us, we can remember what someone said in first grade. Some of us 20 years ago, some of us 30 years ago, we can easily replay the way that somebody decided to use their unguided destructive words to wound our very soul. And so it is, brothers and sisters, what has James been doing with us in our past two sections? He's been showing us why guidance matters. It's because our tongues carry with them the capacity to cause so much destruction wherever our little tongues go. And so it is now where we must turn to our final point in verses 10 through 12, which is the revealing tongue. The revealing tongue in verses 10 through 12. And if you are like me, brothers and sisters, as you have been sitting in your chairs this morning, as James has been speaking to you and I, James's words have been weighing heavily on you. Perhaps this is the first time that you've actually thought, maybe in 2023, maybe I should actually think before I speak. Maybe my words actually have an impact. Maybe my my words have the ability to cut sharper a sword and so so if you're you're sitting here thinking perhaps you're asking the very same question that james did in verse 10 when james says from the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers these things ought not be so and so perhaps you're wondering okay matt then what is the cure for our tongues we've just been sitting here being belabored over and over and over with the destructiveness of our tongues and perhaps you're asking the question how then should i speak How then will I speak in 2023? What will be the antidote to help our evil and many times venomous tongues? And I think James gives us a little hint. If if you turn back to verse two, James told us in the beginning of verse two, he said this. He said, we all stumble and that if someone didn't stumble in what they said, this person would be perfect. So what does that mean? That means that none of us in this room can raise our hands and say, I have a PhD in speech. None of us are masters, right? And if everyone, if all 7.8 billion people and everyone who's ever lived before cannot tame the tongue and can't be a master, doesn't James, in a way, make us long for someone to teach us how to use their tongue? I wish there was a person who lived who actually knew how to actually talk. Does not James disqualify all of us and point us in some way to no other place, and no other person than Jesus Christ himself? I I wonder if in our Advent season, if as we were celebrating the birth of Jesus, come down as Philippians 2 to live before us, he actually took on flesh. I wonder if one of the things that we've maybe not thought about Is that in Jesus' incarnation, he actually modeled for you and I how to actually talk. He actually showed us what is it that John's gospel says of the way that Jesus spoke. It didn't say that no one ever dressed like Jesus. John doesn't tell us that no no one ever looked like him. In fact, John tells us what? He says that no one ever spoke like him. Is not one of the things that stands out about our Lord. is how he spoke to, to the outcasts and to the sinners and even to the prostitutes. The fact that he would even speak to people that no one would even dare speak to. We see that Jesus used his tongue to what? To heal the blind. We see that Jesus used his tongue to tell the paralyzed to what? To walk. We see Jesus used his tongue even to, to tell the woman of the city in Luke 7, as Tommy preached earlier, that what? That her sins that were many were forgiven. We see even when Jesus had heavy words for the Pharisees that he used his tongue to what? That he used his tongue to convict that they would what? Turn and be forgiven. And what's interesting is that James tells us that blessing and cursing should not come from the same mouth. And yet we see when they cursed Jesus, when they spit on him, when they blasphemed him, when they hung him on a cross to die, Jesus responded with these words, Father, forgive them, forgive them. And if you are starting to think, Matt, that's how Jesus, spoke, I could never speak like that. Well, again, remember, James tells us that you and I will never have perfect speech. But church, what, what James is trying to really do today, what he's trying to do is he wants our confession The fact that we say that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we say that we believe in the gospel. James is saying, do you believe in Jesus? Great. Do you believe that he rose and that he's coming again? Great. Now, James is saying, now, I want to see that profession of faith that you so say that you have. I want to see it worked out in the way that you talk. Our justification means that you and I are sinners saved by grace, that the cross communicates that you and I are not saved out of anything we do, but we're saved in spite of what we do. And our justification, meaning that you and I stand as righteous before God, not on anything that you and I have done, but based upon what Jesus has done, that thing we call justification, James is saying it leads to sanctification. It leads that you say, I live for Jesus. And James would say, "Then I want you to talk like him. I want people as they run into you, as they bump into you, I want them for all of their days. I want you to live and I want you to sound like your savior. James is telling us this morning that we will see your profession of faith by simply the words that you use. Church, because we are covered in the blood of the Lamb, because we now, as Romans 6 says, we who have now died to sin, shall we now live in it? James wants to say, because you and I are blood-brought Christians, saved by the blood of the Lamb, that our speech should sound different. And if you are here today and you would say that you are not a believer, you're thinking, man, one of my New Year's resolutions was I was just going to come to a church, you're like, man, I think I picked the wrong Sunday to come. <laughs> You're thinking, man, like, mm, this, what kind of church is this? But I, I want you to think the greatest thing you could do with your tongue is not that you would fix the way that you speak at work. It would not be that when you stub your toe, you say different words than you normally do. The greatest thing you could do, brother, sister, if you would say that you are not a believer, if you've stumbled in here this morning, the greatest thing you could do is to do what Romans 10, 9 says, which is this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The gospel does not tell you, brother, sister, why don't you come clean up your act and then Jesus will save you. If you are here today and an unbeliever and your mouth is anything but righteous, If Jesus can transform a man named Paul, you will be light work for him. And so so I ask, I beg, I beseech you that you would confess that perhaps today the greatest thing you could do would not be to to go to the gym this year. The greatest thing to do could not be to volunteer more often. The greatest thing you could do, brother, sister, if you would say that you are not a believer in Christ, it would be to have your eternity changed that you would join the brothers and sisters that in eternity when all of this passes away and he rewrites everything, that you would stand among the redeemed. That is the greatest thing you could do, brother or sister. I pray that if that is you this morning, that you would turn to the one who is waiting to be found and that you would receive his grace this morning. And so Church James ends our section with this question. What fruit is your tongue revealing? Proverbs eighteen twenty one tells us this. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Are the fruit of your words producing death in those who hear your words, or are your words giving life and sweetness to those who hear you? I love one of the core values that Castleton is founded on. One of those core values is that we are a loving community. I want to read for you that, that, that first sentence. It says that we are as those who have experienced and been transformed by the love of Christ. Oh, brothers and sisters, would it not be amazing if in 2023 we would show people that we are transformed by the love of Christ in the way that we talk? That people would say, you talk different than other people do. You don't gossip like others do. You don't demean like others do. What's up with you, man? And then, maybe at that moment, you would be able to say what God is doing in your life. Oh, brothers and sisters, may we be people, as the Apostle Paul said in First Thess- Thessalonians 5, where he says that we are encouraging and building up one another. I don't know what all 2023 will have for you, but I know this. I know there will be a day, there will be a time, there will be a season, there will be a month where it's going to be one of those weeks where everything that can go wrong is going to go wrong. The heater is going to break. The kids are going to be crazy. Something, the, the, something is going to happen, and we all know how encouraging it is when somebody sends that text or calls us Or says, brother or sister, you have been on my mind and I just wanted to give you a word. God has put you on my heart this week. We all know how encouraging our words can be and how when somebody tells us that, that just lifts us up. It it, it carries us. And so I I hope, dear brothers and sisters, that you would understand that this thing we call the tongue. I pray that, that, that you would let God redeem it this year. I hope that you won't leave here and say, I'm going to try harder. No, James didn't give us any antidote, which means what? You and I are going to need to rely on the Spirit day after day after day. This thing called the tongue we cannot tame. so, dear brothers and sisters, I pray that we would be a people who would learn to control our tongues. I want to close quickly with the words from a poem. Words can make you laugh. Words can make you cry, sometimes leaving your soul crushed and dry. Words can hurt. Words can calm. Words have the power to be that that soothes, be the balm. Words can cause envy. Words can cause strife. Words can also sometimes follow you in the afterlife. But words can be used, hide, and conceal. Words can make you want to do things with zeal words have such power you can see handle words with care this is but a humble plea let us pray father we thank you for today and we thank you for the new year's day oh god we pray that in 2023 we all know there will be many things lord that we will go through but god i ask that you would help us this year to learn how to better control our tongues Oh, God, may we be a sweet fragrance and a sweet aroma to those who we meet. God, would you help us to learn how to speak well to our enemies? God, would you help us to know that this thing called our tongues is not something to be played with? Oh, Father, we thank you that by your spirit, you are going to make us this year more into the image of your son. And I just pray, Lord, this year for all of us here at Castleton and for all your people. Lord, would you help us this year to learn better how to control our tongues? Oh, Father, thank you that we now get to worship your beautiful name. We ask that you would be with us now in your son's name. Amen.